In the spirit of reconciliation, Siren Sport acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to the Siren podcast. I'm Kirby Fenwick, co-founder of Siren, a women in sport collective, and I'm joined by my fellow co-founder, Dr. Casey Simons. Hello, Casey. How are you? Hello, Kirby. I am very well. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I'm very excited about the person that we are talking to today. Me too. Me too. (laughs) I feel like we should just get stuck into it rather than keep our listeners waiting. Yes, because um, we've got a lot to talk about. We do have a lot to talk about. We have so much to pack into this episode, so we'll get stuck straight into it. We are very excited to be chatting today with the excellent Jacinta Govind. (laughs) Did I get that right today? Got it. (laughs) Thanks, Jacinta. (laughs) But I'll still take any variation, so it's great. (laughs) So Jacinta recently published a great story on Aussie basketballer Stephanie Reid through Siren's partnership with the ABC. If you haven't already read that, I encourage you to go and check it out. It's so good. But more than being a great storyteller and writer, Jacinta is also a former WNBL player who now talks all things basketball as a co-host of the Shooting the Breeze podcast, as well as commentating games seemingly all over the place. Jacinta, I follow you on Instagram and I'm always like, where is she? What is happening here? (laughs) But before we get stuck into talking about all things Shooting the Breeze and commentating and FIBA, World Cup and your story on Steph, I'm so interested to know, take us back to where it all began. What is your basketball origin story? Good question. Um, So it was a perfect storm of sorts of how I got into basketball. Uh, So it was, I think, about 93, 94. Uh, It was the height of 90s NBA. So think Shaq and Anthony Hardaway, the Chicago Bulls going three-peat. And I had an older brother who was very much into the NBA. So he had posters on his wall and uh, he's the sibling closest to me. So anything that he did, I was kind of just, you know, copying and absorbing and things like that. Uh, So there was that facet of how I, how basketball was kind of already in my immediate environment. Uh, And then where we were living at the time, there was a new basketball stadium that had opened across the road. Um, So that also generated some interest in going to learn to play. And at that age, I had the choice of uh, um, going to dance lessons or uh, going to learn to play basketball. Uh, and in that sense, I wanted to follow my sister because she was a dancer. So I tried dance lessons first and hated it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it just wasn't my environment. It was very, very superficial, very not a kind environment at all for like an eight, nine-year-old to be in. Uh, but then the other big thing is that my mum used to take us to Sydney Kings and Sydney Flames games down at, uh, it used to be, you know, RIP Entertainment Centre. Um, and so we used to go down, there used to be double headers of the Flames playing first and the Kings playing second. And it always used to pack out. So it was a really, really good atmosphere. And I used to get excited watching, the, especially the Flames play. It used to be players like Annie LaFleur and Shelley Gorman, Karen Dalton, Trish Fallon. And sometimes when we'd arrive to the venue, we'd park next to their car. And that was already enough excitement for oh me to be like, this is Annie LaFleur's car. Because <laughs> they'd have um, a thing over their, their windscreen saying, you know, 
um, car owned by Annie Lafleur and sponsored by, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, so wow. that was exciting enough. So, yeah, I had the influence of going to King's Game regularly and my brother having it, you know, at home with his posters and stuff. Uh, and then the stadium opened across the road. And so once I quit dancing, I chose to go and learn how to play basketball. And mum actually got me into a program or like LinkedIn with a local coach who actually did like skill sessions as well as coach our domestic team. So I was really lucky that I got a really good start into basketball where I got to learn uh, the skills and the game like properly as soon as I started. Uh, so I started playing when I was about eight. And then by the time I was 11, I tried out for the under 12 rep team and, and made that. So it was, yeah, big mixture, big little combination of things that really got me into basketball at the start. And the stadium was literally across the road. I could go and walk, which uh, ended up being in a kind of a triangle between my house and my high school and the stadium. So I could just walk to the three main things of my life when I was a teenager. But yeah, that's how it all started. I think that's so interesting. I, I think that's something that we don't often think about is like the influence of just proximity in terms of like mm. what sports we might be um, taking up or most interested in. Sometimes it literally can just be the one that's the closest mm. and the most kind of yeah. accessible in terms of getting there. Definitely. And I love that you've sort of triangulated that love there. And then, but like you also tried other things like with that dance experience. So you've got the proximity, but you went and found you know, something else to try, but then realize actually this is where I want to be. And it's almost like you just solidified your love that way. And if you had that space, like mentally, because you love the game, but then physically, because the places were all right there and it was all set for you. Like, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And it was really weird. I, I still remember like my memory is pretty decent. And even like some of the feelings that I had in those two environments, even as a kid, has still stuck with me. Just going to those dance lessons and knowing that I really didn't like it and I didn't really feel very comfortable um, to be 100% myself, which is a big deal when you're a kid, I think as well. Um, but yeah, I just remember going to the basketball and just kind of like just ran with it. I mean, with no pun kind of intended, but I mean, you can't run with it anyway in basketball as a travel, <laughs> but yeah, just kind of took to it really quickly and um, yeah, didn't think too much of it, didn't get kind of too stressed out in it. And then we were also really lucky that our club at the time used to have a lot of learn to play sessions, either on a Saturday morning or Wednesday afternoon that we could just go to after school or, um, you know, after having a sleep in on a Saturday morning. So there was always something around for us to keep developing our skills and to keep uh I guess keep us occupied as well because that's how we all made some of our really good friendships through doing that stuff together we will we're gonna have to get you on I think for another episode to talk about your basketball career um because I'm not sure we have time to pack all of that in today because I'm really keen to talk to you about your experience with the emerging sports writer program so you were a part of um the latest iteration of the program through our partnership with ABC Sport. I promise Casey and I are not fishing for compliments here, but talk to us about your experience of um, being a part of that program and, and why you kind of wanted to put your hand up for that. Uh, so how that came about was uh, Amanda Shalala from ABC Sport uh, reached out to me on Twitter. Uh, so that was pretty cool, having someone yeah. like that reach out to you on Twitter and just say that Julia Montesano put my name forward, which was even nicer because this is before Julia and I had actually properly met and before she was a guest on the podcast. So it was super nice for uh, Julia to do that. And um, 
To be honest, I think it was just such a good opportunity knowing that it was linked to ABC Sport, which is obviously a very reputable media outlet. And the fact that Amanda went to the effort to contact me as well. And then knowing that I'd be connected to the two of you, um, I mean, it was like just like kind of a perfect opportunity to dip my toe into something different. And also, honestly, FOMO, because when these opportunities come <laughs> up, um, I'd rather, I, I don't want to live with the feeling of regret that if I turned it down, you know, the what ifs and maybe I should have given this a crack. So the fear of missing out always gets the better of me and I just try and have a crack at a lot of things. But it was just, again, another perfect combination of how someone uh, put my name forward and having someone like the ABC and Siren Sport being involved in it. So it was kind of like the perfect setup for me to have a really proper um, attempt of writing something, you know, for wider publication. I love like hearing your story of how you came into it so much, Jacinta, because I think it's such a like amazing example of so many ways that so many of us have tried to navigate this space a little bit. Like it is really hard just to try and get published on an outlet. And I know Kirby and I have definitely experienced that. And what we found coming to this space was just like making friends with people, just being, you know, really friendly to people on social media because you might not get a chance to meet them, but we have this amazing space that we can all connect and tap people on the shoulder and we learn who likes what sport and who's good at what. And we just amp each other up so much, which is just what I love about it. And I love when like Julia, who we love, who's amazing, was like connected to you, who's connected to Amanda, someone else who we think is amazing. And then when your name came up, you know, I had the pleasure of being on your pod podcast previously too. So I knew who you were and the work that you were doing. I was like, yes, like, of course, Jacinta, like let's work with her because she's doing all this amazing stuff and we need to get more women's basketball content out there. So it was like this kind of perfect storm. And I've seen that happen more and more. And I think that's just the way just to get yourself out there and getting these opportunities, like you said, Jacinta, like anyone who's listening, who's thinking about just trying to connect, like just go make friends on social media. Like it's a scary place sometimes, but in our little women in sports social media space, like we are here for you. Yeah, I've been really lucky so far because I only joined Shooting the Breeze just over 12 months ago and that's when I started an Instagram page purely dedicated just to promoting the podcast, but also women's basketball in general. And uh, then I only really started to get active on Twitter at the same time. But I've been really lucky that I've, I've been able to carve like a really good uh, network and environment of really positive people who like the same thing, who support women's sport, who support basketball. So, and so far, I fingers crossed, haven't had any <laughs> negative experiences, um, but it has definitely been the one thing that has fostered a lot of relationships and new opportunities. Mm, that women in sport community, I think particularly on Twitter is, um, is so incredible. And I like, I love that it has been like your sort of pathway into the emerging sports writer program and sort of interest. I mean, you already knew Casey, but introduced you to me properly. And like, now you're a part of the siren family. Like, I just love that so much that it's like, you know, and we know Julia and obviously we work with Amanda and it's just, I just, it's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's the other appealing thing with uh, um, initiatives and uh, like Siren Sport and the Emerging Sports Writers Program is that uh, you hear and making the call as well. You hear about these things that are purposely designed to help foster, you know, female broadcasters and journalists and young talent out there. And they're held to such esteem. And so when you hear about these programs, it's kind of like you aim to to be a part of it as well because it has such a great 
like culture about it and a great representation about it. So that's that's the kind of thing we like, oh, well, if I could be a part of that, I'd be I'd be pretty happy to join that family. And we're so happy to have you. Yay. <laughs> Kirby and Jeez, I are so creepy when we talk about the emerging sports writers. Sometimes we're like, you're part of our family. We'll never <laughs> let you go. We get real cultish. So we've got to probably work on that, Kirby. <laughs> but I mean, I think, Jacinda, your experience of coming into the program, I think is a really example of the power of those networks because it's who you, I mean, it's hard and really challenging sometimes that it is this way, but so often it is who you know. And so if you're um, in somebody, you know, on somebody's radar, um, then they they think of you and they're like, oh, I know Jacinta, I know she, you know, she does a lot of stuff around basketball, like let's tap her on the shoulder and see if she'd be interested in being a part of this program. Um, so the networks are, yeah, are so important. Um, and you can, by taking part in these programs, you can then kind of build your networks and extend on those networks. And that's more opportunities. And, you know, who knows where that leads to? It's, um yeah, hopefully the sky's the limit in terms of the Emerging Sports Wire program and, and where all our participants go to. <laughs> I think we need a scrapbook, Casey, we can start keeping and where what everyone's up to. Yeah, I always joke with Kirby that we're going to be like these little old women at the retirement home looking back on our time with sirens and our memories of women in sport. We'll be like, look at all these amazing women we got to work with. So, yeah, you will be part of that scrapbook, Jacinta, for sure. <laughs> Awesome. That would be great. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd love to talk to you about um, the idea that you brought to us for the Emerging Sports Rider program. So I guess how it works is we'd be doing um, through the ABC Sport, um, like you just mentioned, we're trying to reach out to people who are trying to start to get more publications and stories out there. And we kind of created part of the program where it was sort of a bit more of a tailored experience where we expected the writer to come in with an idea and Kirby and I would play a mentoring role in helping to shape that and helping you work through it to get it out there. So you had this idea that you came to us with like pretty much right away. Like we didn't have to sort of sit down with you too much and be like, what do you want to do? And what are you thinking? You're like, I've got a story. And it was really amazing that first meeting. So I'd love you you to tell us a little bit about what you brought to the table. Yeah, sure. So the story that I brought to both of you was about uh, Steph Reed, who is a point guard currently playing for the Townsville Fire in the WNBL. Um, So Steph's story is pretty unique. Uh, There's probably stories quite similar to it, but her story in particular, I feel is quite unique. So how it came about, again, it was probably another matter of really really good timing it was around I think it was in July when the under 17 uh, Australian gems were playing at the World Cup in Hungary and me being me putting stuff on social media to try and remind people when the games are on and who to watch and results and things like that Uh, and Steph uh, also follows me on Instagram and she just asked me about uh, what time a game was on or where she could watch it or something and so I just took that and said oh you know did you ever play for Australia Um, you know did you play under 17s as well because sometimes you know a lot of athletes who have played in those junior Australian programs still like to go back and watch and and support the emerging talent and she said no I never made an Australian team I I didn't even make a state team and so I just was like like just I said just to confirm I I think I said it in a more colloquial way than I'm saying now (laughs) but I was just like so you never made a state team you never made an Aussie junior team but you're in the Opals team, like you made the Opals squad. And she's like, yes, I never made a state team. And so that just blew my mind because 
it's as you like being growing up in the traditional basketball Australia pathway as well it is pretty well set out that uh the way to get to the Opals is especially via the center of now center of excellence is called and back in my day it was called the <laughs> you know it was just called the AIS program but that was a big thing of yeah making a state team making an all-Australian camp and perhaps getting selected for the center of excellence and that was a really good pathway for making an Australian junior team and you know, probably at least 50, 60% of the time, those junior athletes, you know, are always on the radar to make the senior teams as well. So for someone like Steph, who never entered that pathway at all and somehow found herself or work, I shouldn't say found herself, but managed to work her way to a position where the selectors really couldn't ignore her and had to add her to that FIBA Women's World Cup uh, Australian Opal squad this year, I just thought it was remarkable. And uh, some parts of her stories did resonate with me because there were times growing up I didn't make particular teams or squads like some of my teammates and my friends were and you know those knockbacks you always learn from those knockbacks but she uh had a lot of setbacks and including in part of that story talking about how she didn't even she didn't want uh she wanted a college scholarship but didn't even quite manage to get one until the very last minute as well and so I thought it was an important story to show especially young female athletes in in basketball who perhaps dream of making an Australian squad, an Opal squad, that uh, the Basketball Australia pathway isn't the be-all and end-all and that if you keep kind of put, putting your work into it, then, you know, it will show on court and you'll get recognised, uh, you know, eventually. Mm, I think what's what I love about that story, though, I mean, I love Steph's story and I love what you were saying to Cinta about, like, there being more than one pathway to wherever you might want to go. Um, I believe in that very strongly. I think that's really, really important. But what I love about that is that it was your curiosity. Your, she said something and you were like, what? And so you chased it. And then you you managed to pull out this amazing story of this um, great basketball with a great story. That um, And I love that that story really ends on such a positive uplift of like, you know, who knows what's next now? Um, I just, I think that's amazing that it's, and it's often those little things, something that catches your attention, that makes you go, what? That is often going to turn into a great story because other people will feel exactly the same way. So I think that's such a good lesson for anyone listening. If something mm-hmm. catches your attention, if something makes you surprised or makes you sort of want to ask a follow-up question, you might have yourself a story there. Yeah, and I think that the other thing that really sort of I got out of um, sort of like going through the editing process with you, Jacinta, and sort of trying to piece together the journey, because I think these are things that maybe they're just make just habits that you pick up trying to do traditional journalism and trying to sort of fit that inverted pyramid with news stories. And you kind of think, all right, well, in, in sports writing, it's got to be like a success story and it's got to have this climax and this peak, or it's got to be this story of failure and how do people are going to pick themselves back up and there's just this kind of real arcs that you go through and I just love that you found this really amazing way of detailing so many different times that Steph you know tried to pivot or recover or really hustled to get somewhere or tried to talk to someone or highlighted the people around her that were putting her name forward with things and you know her story towards the end of this piece like it's amazing that she made that Opal squad. Like that is such an achievement in itself, but she wasn't selected for the final team for FIBA, but that's not in my mind a failure. And that's not like, I think sometimes in sports journalism, we probably like, Oh, 
wish she made that team because that would have tied up my story so nicely as a, <laughs> as a piece of writing. But that's not how sport works. And yes, we would have loved her to make make that team. But I mean, everyone in that team also deserves to be there. I'm definitely not envious of the people making those calls. That's a tough squad to choose from. But I love that that's not the end of the story for Steph. Like you've already shown how many different ways that she can navigate the space. And, you know, she's young and talented and she's this is how sport is for some people it's not always a straight journey it's not always perfect and it's never over like there's always other stuff and I loved how you brought that all together because it just made for such a different kind of sporting read and I think you just did that beautifully and I loved working with you on this oh that's amazing thank you (laughs) thank you so much it was uh it was uh, a really interesting journey writing the story um it was really good in a sense of getting a better understanding of what goes into a story um, and just both of, receiving both of your feedback of how you finesse uh, the story with your editing styles. It's a, it's, it really helps you appreciate how writing is such an art form because you would make such small changes but it made such a big impact into the story and how the story flowed and how it emphasised certain parts of Steph's story. So I really enjoyed watching you go, you both just go to work, uh, like just watching like the art form and the mastery of it. That was actually a really, really, I honestly really enjoyed watching that, seeing some masters at work, uh, especially for me where English was my worst subject at school. Um, <laughs> and even though I have to write every day in my nine to five now and, you know, big reports, small documentation, whatever, I still write like objectively because I'm a health worker. So everything has to be objective, which is, mm. you know, so then trying to find a balance between writing objectively, but then still putting some of my personality in it. And then also telling uh, the, the way I kind of wanted to plan Steph's story when I was started was basically a timeline of, okay, so how did this all start? And how did she get to where she is right now? What were the kind of the peaks and valleys in that timeline to get to the Opal squad? And then to do that in like eight, 900 words, and then to do her story justice, I was like, oh, this is going to be pretty challenging. <laughs> and then how do I, how do I make it sound that I'm not just doing dot points as well? So um, just how the story kind of ebbed and flowed and how both of you put your finesse on it was, yeah, really interesting to to watch that all come to play as well. But uh, I think Steph liked it. Um, but I also agree, Casey, that I did kind of like it, that it, it had a good ending, but it wasn't always, doesn't always have to be a fairy tale ending. Mm. And it's not necessarily an ending either. It can just be part one of Steph's journey into the Opal Squad and see how she, you know, what happens in the next 12 months could be something totally different mm. and it could be a part two. But the fact that she made the Opal squad, she played in the Opal's jersey, you know, she had Michelle Timms, one of her childhood idols, induct her into the program and present her singlet. She'll always be an Opal, whether she plays at an official FIBA tournament or if she plays just, you know, friendly matches or Asia Cup qualifiers or whatever, she'll always be an Opal from from now on and so no one can take that away from her. I think also like what you were saying, Casey, about like, you know, so often sports stories are not that kind of straight trajectory from just excelling, 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 excelling. Like I think that's probably more likely the norm than not. I think the, the people who never sort of encounter a hurdle and just go on to win world championships and gold medals and premierships um I think those people are probably um the ones that are in the minority I feel like Steph's story really speaks to 
the ways in which particularly women you know for you to get to those elite levels to get to those high levels it's hard and there are going to be hurdles and barriers and things are not going to go the right way that you want them to um but but it's what happens next and I love to think of this as like part one of Steph's story and just into your right part two yeah (laughs) definitely I would definitely like to write part two I'll have to I'll obviously keep tracking Steph's career because it's you know part of the the world that I love so much but uh I also feel like it was a story that resonated with me from personal experience but also the types of sports stories that I like to read and so as you said there are lots of those you know how did so-and-so get 17 gold medals? Like they're great, (laughs) but I also want to hear the stories of behind the scenes, you know, who's the person behind the athlete, what kind of influences and struggles and uh, have they gone through to become like the person and the athlete they are now. So there's a couple of stories I've read from other outlets that are kind of those backstage ones of what what a particular basketball team does off court. So what do they do off court together to kind of, uh, improve their team culture or uh, their way that they prepare for the next game. It's it's that kind of backstage behind the scenes stuff that really interests me. So I think that's why Steph's story um, interested me to write it as well. And there's some great examples, I think, in Steph's story of somebody doing one thing to help another person out that they don't necessarily have to do. And they make mm. one phone call or send one email or a couple and create an opportunity for someone and like the flow on impact from that can be just incredible yeah it's brilliant story if you haven't read it already if you're listening and you haven't read it go and read it right now press pause go and read it (laughs) (laughs) and then come back and listen to the rest of this conversation (laughs) yes and when you're reading it because I want to circle back just quickly just in terms of something you mentioned there there as part of Steph's story was having that moment when she was selected for the Opals and she got her jersey presented by Michelle Timms because there's an amazing photo in the (laughs) article that we got to publish, which is like baby Steph with very young Michelle Timms where they got to meet um, when, you know, Steph would have been idolizing her as a kid. And then to have that moment sort of come full circle. And I just think that like, that's amazing in itself that we had access to that photo to be able to show that because you touch on, um, Steph being that kid who loved wearing like her jo- Michael Jordan tracksuit and and she's wearing that in the photo which is so amazing to see a visual representation of that but I also think it's part of like the skills that you've developed and you created this re- really amazing relationship with Steph by telling her story that you were able to ask for that photo too and I just think that's really cool that you were able to bring your skills together there as a journalist to source some extra source material for the piece that really made it come together and I just wondered like where did that idea come from just to ask her for a photo you saw just throw it out there well yeah pretty much because uh I think it was just as the piece was getting very ready to be published I think you just suggested you know it would be really cool if you had a photo of Steph in the tracksuit so I said oh okay and I I took that literally and thought I'll just ask her amazing (laughs) that's all it was I love it that's all it was so um I feel like yeah I feel like I had a, a decent enough rapport and I feel like if I explained myself properly and said oh look uh, you know, they, they've really liked this part about you wearing the tracksuit. Do you happen to have a photo of you in a tracksuit? And, and, you know, do we have your permission to use it? She goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just getting ready for the grand final. I think she was getting ready for the NBL One North grand final that weekend. She said, but my sister, I'll ask my sister. She'll send it to me. And then no doubt within a couple of days, the, the photo had arrived and it couldn't have been any better. 
mm-hmm. that photo when she sent it. And I was like, it's Michelle Tim's in it as well. She goes, yeah. She was really stoked that her sister could find that one where she's <laughs> in the tracksuit and Michelle Tim's. But then you're seeing how the story was then laid out with the subheadings and all the, the photos and stuff in between when you see it published on the website, then that really comes together when you've got those visual prompts as well that ties in all the story and can create the proper kind of visual in the reader's mind. And I was like, oh, yeah, that photo, that was an absolute gem, that photo. Yeah, I really, yeah. really was really grateful that she was able to find one and send one. But, yeah, it was honestly just took your suggestion literally and I just <laughs> asked her. <laughs> I yeah. love that so much because I think, um, I mean, I'm definitely more like this because I'm more of a writer. Like I don't see these sort of things so visually, but I know, um, and I, I, I edit a little bit, but not to the level of our amazing editors um, that we work with in Amanda and Joe at the ABC Sport who do a lot of this kind of final touches with us because they will be thinking about what it looks like and what people are going to see on the page. So I'm just so much like, yeah, file the words. Anything else is not my issue. But I also think that's such a good lesson that I've probably learned from you just is that if I've just uh, created a good relationship with the person who your story I'm telling and there might be some other things that I include with my story like what's the harm in asking if I feel like I've earned their trust and they might want to share a bit more of themselves because that stuff can't be sourced any other way and it's so gold so um I've taken a lesson from you there Jacinta so thank you very much (laughs) excellent I'm glad I could help (laughs) especially I think I've probably learned through my nine to five as well that if I explain myself kind of clearly of what the purpose is of why I'm asking, then people perhaps have a better understanding and are maybe more likely to help you out then. So that's probably the, the tactic that I use too. But I, I'm glad that I could provide something in return. <laughs> <laughs> We're always learning. We're always learning. It's just like Steph's story, right? Just constantly developing, finding the next thing, learning from each other. <laughs> that's exactly right. To to shift... Um shift the conversation a little bit to pivot a la Steph Reed. Um, let's chat Shooting the Breeze. You are a co-host of this podcast all about basketball. Tell me about how you came to be or tell us how you came to be involved in this podcast and, and tell us all about Shooting the Breeze and, and what you guys get up to over there. Yeah, so Shooting the Breeze is a yeah, local podcast. Uh, it's been going for about two years and it focuses on women's basketball and all facets to do with women's basketball so uh, Casey joined us last year for an episode about social media which was amazing probably still one of my favorite episodes Uh, we also do things like play interviews coach interviews Uh, for example we had Liz Mills and her sister Vic on recently to talk about their uh, global female coaching network that they've just started on Facebook Um, so lots of facets to do with women's basketball it's not just uh, always game reviews and previews and play and play interviews. So it's all the facets. Uh, but ideally, that's ultimate goal is to promote and celebrate women's basketball. Sometimes there is more of an Australian focus, uh, but also we've made connections with people in the UK. Our friends Kaz and Daz, who's got their finger on the pulse with the WBBL over there, which is their professional league, and our other friend Lyndon, who is all across the new uh, New Zealand Basketball Women's League over there. So we we like to dabble in in other areas of uh, bas- women's basketball as well. Um, so I've only been a part of it for just over 12 months. So Paul and Mary um, created Shooting the Breeze, Paul being the co-host and Mary, his wife, being the producer. So 
I met them in 2019 when they used to be responsible for the live stream of the Sydney Flames games uh, when the games were just streamed on YouTube. And this was before the WNBL ended up getting some more TV deals. Um, so I was commentating the live streams of those games with one of my friends, Rachel Herrick. And that's how I met Paul and Mary. And they're absolutely lovely, lovely people. And um, then COVID hit. So which meant that the WNBL season went into a hub for 2020. And they also had a TV deal where some of the games were then going to be played on Fox Sports. Uh, so obviously only professional commentators. And they're definitely not going to fly me over to Mackay to commentate from the hub. So then that kind of stunted that. But um by the Tokyo Olympics last year, Paul gave me a call and said, look, we've got a podcast. This is what it's about. Would you like to jump on for a couple of episodes and talk about the Olympics? So you talk about the Opals. Um, that was a little bit more about match previews and reviews and things like that back then. And Paul said, if you like it, perhaps you can stay on as a co-host. And so after those episodes with the uh, covering the Opals at the Olympics, I ended up just staying on. And so, yeah, it's been about just over 12 months now. So good. I was actually listening to that episode with Liz Mills the other day. Um, oh, that's, cool. That's really interesting work that they're doing. Um, it's, yeah, I'm really interested to see what happens with that program and, and what they do. Um, I, I, got to, I got to ask, favourite interview? Don't, don't, don't say Casey either. <laughs> No, that episode though with Casey and our other good friend Roy Ward was still really really good because I learned a lot out of that uh it definitely opened some doors in my mind from some of the things we discussed in that episode um I also really enjoyed interviewing Fleur McIntyre who's the assistant coach for the Sydney Kings uh, cause she, I just found her to be such a great role model. She's really positive. Also someone who comes from an academic background and is now transferring those skills into another setting and just helping develop the culture and the mentality of the Sydney Kings program. And she's the first female, uh, MBL assistant coach to win a championship. So I should just say first female coach of the MBL to win a championship. So that's pretty spectacular. Amazing. Yeah. Um, but she was just, yeah, really down to earth, very knowledgeable. So she definitely sticks out in my mind. Uh, Timsy's always a lot of fun. <laughs> legend. Um, <laughs> absolute legend. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was really nice actually interviewing Jade Melbourne, uh, the young up and comer who was also in the Opals squad before the last selection camp for the Opals for this uh, upcoming FIBA World Cup. She's only like 19, 20. She's from country Victoria. Also very down to earth. Um, yeah, no ego about her. Always very grateful for opportunities, but just so genuine and a very strong sense of identity for a young person, which I really, really enjoyed. I reckon yeah, if you wow. haven't listened to Shooting the Breeze so far, that is such a good collection of episodes to go back and jump into to, to start off with. Um but definitely add that one to your feed if you haven't already, listeners. <laughs> Just a little plug there for you. Um, Jacinta, you've talked a little bit about the commentary work that you've been doing so far. And as I mentioned earlier, I've been like following you on Instagram and I'm always like, where is Jacinta this weekend doing more commentary work? Talk to us a little bit about that. How did you sort of get into that work and and what has that been like and, and what are you kind of maybe hoping for there? Uh, so I got into it in 2018, I think. Yeah, I think it was 2018 where 
my local, uh, or well, the semi-professional league in New South Wales was then called Waratah League, and now it's NBL One East. So for the finals weekend, Basketball New South Wales put out an open call out for anyone that would like to commentate the live streams. And so my same friend, Rachel Herrick, messaged me and said, oh, have a look at this. I reckon you'd be really good at it. Just come and have a go. And so I thought, yeah, all right. I didn't even think twice about it. Didn't think like this is typical me being me, sometimes going into things a little bit naively uh, and a little bit... um, a little bit too big picture and romanticizing a situation like, yeah, that'll be easy. That'll be great. How much fun. Not really realizing <laughs> how much work, if you want to be really good at commentating, goes into it. So it was a case <laughs> of me putting my name down and getting picked to do the Waratah finals for 2019 or 2018. Sorry. And yeah, so I did that weekend and it was really fun and uh, not really understanding that someone's supposed to do play by play someone's supposed to do color but I was just so lucky that I think they just put me in there to do the color and analysis anyway which suited me much better anyway as a as a former player so that's how it started uh and then a year later or maybe yeah I think it must have been a year later when Rach Herrick was then doing the Sydney Flames game she called me up again and she's like I'll come and do some Flames games with me if you enjoyed doing Waratah so much so I did Waratah. I think I did Waratah again, 2019. Then I started doing, um, my timeline might be a bit bit mixed up, but then I started doing the Sydney Flames with Rach and I just, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. And again, she did play by play and I did color, um, but it all kind of stopped because of COVID mm. and the WNBL moving and, you know, COVID also affected Waratah league as well. Uh, and then when Waratah League was back up and running, I was supposed to play that 2020 season, but I retired early just because my heart wasn't in it. And they wanted commentators again that year, but it was all the way in Sutherland. And to be honest, I couldn't be bothered to drive that far. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a nightmare to get to on public transport. So I was like, I'll just sit out this year. <laughs> but um, so come this year and we have NBL One East, the inaugural season in New South Wales. And so NBL One East being a lot more professional than how individual states used to run their semi-professional league. So every stream, every game was live streamed on KO Freebies. So every game therefore needed commentators. And I put my name down with my local association ages ago and they said, yeah, we'll contact you when we're ready to start. And they never did. So the game, the home games have started and I thought, oh, well, this is a bit annoying. I said that I wanted to do it and now they've probably got someone else to do it. Then the first weekend, I think I had to go to a wedding anyway. And so by the second or third weekend, though, uh, we were playing Albury Wodonga Bandits at home, which meant it was Lauren Jackson's first game in however many years was going to be on my home court. So I met again, FOMO driving me to think ridiculous things where I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> LJ, it's going to be LJ's first game back. It's going to be on our home court. It's going to be so packed. I probably won't even get a car park. I won't get a ticket. I need to find a way that I can get in there, like a guaranteed ticket to see LJ play. So that morning I'm scrambling and I'm calling favors and I'm getting messages, um, sending messages and getting the number of the new GM who I hadn't met yet. And he didn't know me from a bar of soap because anyone else at my association knows me really well. Cause I basically grew up there, but this new GM, he didn't know me at all. Uh, so I messaged him saying, Oh, Hey, I'm so-and-so would really like to commentate the women's game today. Blah, blah, blah. blah. He goes, Oh, we've already got someone named Hamish, but uh, I'll just message Hamish and see if he's okay with you jumping on or be up to him. 
And so luckily, Hamish knew me from our Sunday scrimmage, which is our regular pickup <laughs> pick game with the boys down at Terrigal Stadium and raved about me to the new GM. And the new GM said, oh, yeah, Hamish would love to have you. So I was like, thank goodness. And by the way, who is Hamish? I have no idea who he is, but he apparently knows me. So <laughs> it's amazing. I, so I just turn up ready to commentate with someone who apparently is, you know, really hyped me up to the new GM. And I'm like, I have no idea who this guy is. And he's like, oh, Squin, how are you? It's so good to have you. It'd be great to have you. And I was just like, oh, it's this Hamish. It's <laughs> Grimish. So I was just faking it until I made it, until I got there, just like, yeah, I know who I'm commentating with. Um, but, yeah, so we we work really well together. He is such a great commentator. He does the play-by-play. He's got an excellent voice. He's very poised and controlled and professional. He probably uh, holds me to a level of professionals, professionalism because sometimes I go a little bit too bogan and haywire when I'm <laughs> rambling on about things. Um, so, yeah, that's how I got back into it this year because I didn't want to miss the opportunity to watch LJ play her first game back ever on my home court under my championship banner. Uh, and then I was like, well, I guess I'm staying now. So I stayed for the whole Crusader season. I love that story so much. So good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so amazing. That's just like using your contacts, using your networks, the um, persistence, like just putting yourself out there and saying, hey, do you, I want to do this? Do you want me to do this? I just I love everything about that. Mm-hmm. And I love being driven by FOMO. That's the best. I feel like that sums me up a couple of times in my career, just into where I'd be like, this thing is happening. There is no way I'm not going to be there. I'm going to figure it out. 100% because I would much rather go to that effort and at least try to get to where I want to be or what I, the desired outcome, than live with the regret. I cannot live with regret. It sits with me like a bad gastro bug. Like I just can't get rid of it for a long time. Um, so yeah, I just kind of wormed my way in there and yeah, stayed for the whole Crusader season. So did all of the, did both men's and women's games, uh, at, when they played at home and then did the NBL one East finals again, a couple of weeks ago, uh, at Castle Hill, which was really fun. So I did the women's, both women's semifinal games and the grand final. So I got to commentate LJ another two times, which is really good. And uh, as of today, I've just come back from Melbourne doing the MBL One Nationals, which was like a milestone in my very short uh, kind of career because apparently a lot of people applied for that Nationals commentating gig and to have the head of the MBL One like come and contact, you know, pick me, like go through my footage and reach out to me and say, yep, you're selected, blah, 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 blah come to the NBL one East final so he could meet me and Lockie France in person before we got to nationals. And then, yeah, they said to us again, when we got to Melbourne that they went through everything really diligently and made sure they had the right people. And for me to be one of those, you know, people that they considered a right pick was, uh, was pretty special actually. That's incredible. A testament to your hard work though, to your hard work and your persistence. And also I think your love for doing it. Like, I think that's, you know, I think you would demonstrate that and prove that over and over again in the work that you do. Um, yeah, I'm so excited to see what's next next for you with basketball commentary. Yeah, and in the meantime, again, based on just people that you know, a friend of mine works for an online po- platform that also streams international games. Uh, and so I got to do the under-17 FIBA Men's and Women's World Cup, just a handful of games of each. 
And then I got to do the under 18 uh, FIBA Africa Women's Championship that was held in Madagascar. And that was Amazing. that was an experience because <laughs> I worked a, a full day and then I commentated from 7.30 p.m. on the Wednesday night and I went to bed at quarter to 5 a.m. on the Thursday morning. I did four games in a row. Holy moly. I was, I was up for nearly 24 hours. And with those <laughs> international games, it's uh, – streamed through your laptop so I just did on my kitchen bench like I'm recording now with this microphone I had pillows around my laptop you know for the acoustics because I live in an open plan house and so I'm watching a game at Madagascar from my screen um, with all my notes in front of me by myself at like you know in the middle of the night trying to get hyped about Tanzania versus Madagascar and then there were technical issues so the screen goes blank and then the scoreboard was going and the one time that happened was a really close game and I was like we can't see the time or the score and then we had no vision and then so I'm going to the live stats and having to call it like radio because I thought there's all these people on YouTube watching right now they're all in the chat box I think some games got up to about 2,000 viewers and so I'm like well I can't just give them nothing so I'm doing the live uh the live stats I'm like okay there's three minutes 20 to go in the third and goal is up 37 to Tanzania you know 30 or whatever I just kept feeding it doing the play-by-play until the vision came up but there was one situation where the first time it cut out I thought the audio and visual had cut out but it was just the visual and so I just stopped and I was waiting for uh, my tech moderator to tell me what was happening and in the meantime I'm in the kitchen singing to myself <laughs> And then I'm the moderator's so like, <laughs> I'm so glad you mentioned this story, just sister, because you put this on your TikTok, and I was gonna bring it up, and it made me laugh so much. It's such a typical me dumb story. Like this is why my sister reckons my life, my life's just an episode of Seinfeld because this stuff only happens to me. I swear. <laughs> but yeah, it's the first time it cut out, and I thought it was just the vision. And yeah, I was waiting for the tech moderator to tell me what was going on. Cause I'm like, mine's cut out of my end. Is it cut out for you? And uh, so I thought everything had cut out. So yeah, middle of the night and I'm singing to myself and my mic's still on and the tech moderator just texts me going, um, I'm just going to mute your mic. <laughs> and I was like, and I text him back going, oh, you probably don't want to hear me singing. Ha ha ha. And then I was like, oh no, but if he could hear me singing, then everyone streaming on YouTube could also hear me singing. <laughs> and so oh there were people, very kind viewers in the live chat box on YouTube saying, hey, nice singing. Hey, what song are you going <laughs> to sing next? Are you singing in the background? What's going on? So, yeah, oh, that that's was, amazing. That was, uh, that was a, a, a rookie's faux pas perhaps, but it was pretty funny. You've got a good story now. And then a great amazing story. story. <laughs> And this is during the quarterfinals. So the next night I had to do the Sioux semifinals and the same, some of the same viewers were watching again. As soon as the game started, this one, because uh, you get to know their handles quite quickly, the people who are most active in the chat. And we've got to engage with that fever, fever chat as well um, during the commentary, which makes it quite interesting. And so the you get to know their handles and the one very loyal viewer from the day before, as soon as the next semifinal started the next day, they're like, oh, so what song are you going to sing today? Are you going to sing Land Down Under? <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, it was lots of fun, lots of fun. So uh, the fever stuff is really interesting. It's a really strong learning curve, especially because you're by yourself 
the last time, the first time I did the FIBA commentary, their feed, main feedback was that I needed to be more entertaining. They were happy with my knowledge of the game, but I need to be more entertaining. So I was like, okay, that's pretty hard to do when you're by yourself uh, with a screen. So I'd really tried to amp it up for Africa. Um, but yeah, I'll see. Hopefully I'll get some more FIBA stuff under under um, my belt. Um, but it was a yeah, really, really good learning curve and lots of fun. Um, but I think ultimately I'd love to do WNBL again. Yeah, I think I feel like if I give myself another maybe 12 months, I'd be pretty close at perhaps having a really good go at commentating some WNBL. Uh, and I met one of my commentating idols on the weekend in Laurie Chiswick. Oh, so, that's so that, beautiful. Yeah, that was really cool. She did the NBL one uh, grand final matches. And it was really cool when I met her. She's like, oh, you know, I've seen your stuff on socials. And when I saw your name on the commentary list this weekend, I was really hoping we could do the women's final together. Um, but, you know, they put me on with other people. And I was like, the fact that you saw my name on the list, I'm happy with that. Yeah, amazing. Oh, what yeah. a moment. That's so special. Yeah, it's almost like I think the day I get to share a commentary box with her will be my Steph Reed Michelle Teams moment. <laughs> I love that so much. I hope yeah. you take a photo. I definitely will take a photo. <laughs> well, should we look forward to a little bit what's coming up shortly? And that is the FIBA Women's Basketball World Cup in Sydney. Will you be heading along, Jacinta? Yeah, absolutely. I've been hyping it up the last 12 months. I have to be there. I'm going to immerse myself in it. I've got two weeks off work. I've got an Airbnb and camp down just so I could like really immerse myself and enjoy myself and try and take in as much of that two weeks as I possibly can because I know it's going to be really quick and I know that I'm going to be in a very low mood when it ends. So I need to make <laughs> the most of it. Um, so I think the I'm, I've definitely got a full day pass for the first day, the Thursday, the 22nd, when the Opals play against France, which is going to be a really, really strong test for the opening game. Uh, but I'll also be volunteering on some days in media operations support as well. So I think part of that is like taking place to the press conference and making sure the press outlets are all happy and working. Sounds like a lot of responsibility uh, but I'll just have to kind of wing it, I guess, a little bit as well. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. I love you've gone like two weeks off work. I'm going to go move out there a bit closer, get involved as a volunteer and go be a fan and just like live your best like fever life. That's so fun. Yeah. And, and Shooting the Breeze has organized a pickup game for the Saturday, the 24th as well. So lots of the friends of the podcast are invited, whether they be past guests or loyal listeners or just friends we've made again on socials that we'd love to meet in person even if they are from uh, contemporary podcasts or other outlets as well that cover basketball we just want everyone to kind of get together and meet each other face to face for a change um, which was one of the other big advantages of the NBL one nationals in Melbourne I got to meet so many people I'd met online face to face so it was like a yeah really really cool uh, opportunity to do that and meet some people and put faces to Twitter handles. But yeah, ho I'm hoping the World Cup is the same. So I'm trying to encourage as many people as I can to come and come to the pickup game or go visit other local pickup games in Sydney while I'm there. So I've got a lot of uh, fitness work to do in the next 10 days because I've done nothing <laughs> the last couple of months to have any kind of credibility on the pickup court. But yeah, otherwise it will be 
pretty much most days if I'm not watching I'll be volunteering I think that's um shout out to any listeners that if you're going to be um at the world cup and you want to play some basketball or hang out or watch some games um you should teach a center up on socials absolutely I can be your oracle for all things FIBA women's world cup if you like please don't (laughs) be shy to ask speaking of being the oracle Jacinta, you and Casey are much better versed in basketball than me. So World Cup, it will have already started by the time this episode comes out. But give me give me some insights. The, you are the basketball oracle. Give me some insights. What are the big stories? Who are the players and teams that I should be keeping? Obviously the Opals and LJ, of course. But um, which players and teams should be keeping an eye on? And, and what are you most excited about? Well, yeah, of course, the return of LJ to the world stage is a big headlining story, especially uh, the the way she's she's made her comeback, um, considering how she was played with injury, and uh, yeah, made her way back now into a national squad at a World Cup. That's that's pretty incredible. Once in it's a impressive. sporting <laughs> lifetime, of, yeah, like, kind of only, story. It's only okay, I suppose. I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> But I'm really excited just for this Opals team in general because it's a really good mix of old and new in a sense of people who have played at this level before, people who have played at a World Cup before and debutantes um, and playing styles. So, you know, LJ's career has spanned over such a long period of time. She's played with different generations of Opals, um, obviously being an integral part of a lot of those teams as well. Then you've got people like Annalie Maley who's making her debut, um, Sarah Blissar's played in Tokyo, but she's making a debut at the World Cup. And Sammy Whitcomb as well is now playing at the World Cup as a naturalised Australian, which is thank you very much for that, Sammy Whitcomb. We'll have you forever. <laughs> um, so it's a lot of do and, and Christy Wallace as well. It's her first time going to a World Cup. So a lot of new players into the Opals fold um, that bring a lot of different types of energy and uh, new captain Tess Magin who also says said in her kind of captain's acceptance speech that she really admires how the other players have their different styles of leadership and what the different things that everyone brings. Um, so I think that was a really good point. It's quite a diverse team of different strengths and um, energies, so to speak. So that's, I'm really excited to see how the their dynamic will play out on the court. Yeah, it's going to be so exciting. Um, I mean... I think the challenge for me, Jacinta, will be trying to watch Tess Magin captain this side without crying, knowing <laughs> that she's trying also to not cry because I get so emotional when she gets emotional, which is quite frequently, and I just love her so much and I'm just so thrilled that she's captain, but also that she's, yeah, she, like you said, she's so just present with the squad and she just understands what everyone gives and I think we just couldn't find a better captain for for this tournament. I think it's so perfectly placed. I think she's the one to really draw on her teammates for all those qualities. So I'm so excited to see that come together on the court. So I think it's um this could be a real turning point for the Opals because we know that they've had some challenges the last couple of international tournaments and there's been you know some well publicized issues there. But this this could be it. This could be that galvanizing moment. And I'm really excited to be along for that ride. So I can only manage to get to FIBA um, Women's World Cup for two days of the tournament with like other projects and work and teaching and everything, which is 
you know, devastating because I would have loved to have taken two weeks and come to camp with you, Jacinta. <laughs> that would have been so much fun. But for those two days, I'm going to just try and do as much as <laughs> what you're doing as possible and just get amongst it and be part of that experience because I think it's going to be pretty special. I think this is going to be something that's really special for women's basketball in Australia. Yeah, I really hope so too. I'm hoping and I think the WNBL are also hoping that with the World Cup on home soil, it's going to build some momentum going into the WNBL season, try and get a more engaged fan base, perhaps a newer fan base. Um, Hopefully they can keep that newer fan base engaged as well and just propel uh, women's basketball and and young girl partic- like young female participation in Australia uh, a little bit higher than we've probably seen in the recent years. So I think they're all hoping to harness on the hype of the of the World Cup. But especially going back to Tess Magin, I think the advantage of having someone like Tess and even the previous captain Jenna O'Hay as captains is that they're not necessarily the best players on the court, they're not the leading scorer or the leading rebounder, but they're definitely the best role players and they're definitely mm. the two of the best role models that they're always leading by example when they're on the court. And Tess Magin is just such a tough nut. Uh, like she really strongly leads by example, which is what I really, really like about her. Um, but in terms of matchups, the Opals have quite a tough pool. Yes. So they've got uh, France, Mali, Japan, Serbia, and Canada is the other one. So very tough pool. They've got France first. Uh, but the, the matchup that I am most worried about is against Serbia mm. of that pool because Serbia, they are very, very tough defenders. And in the past when the Opal have come across, you know, really good uh, half-court trap like Japan like to play or very physical, d- tough defence like Serbia um, like to play with uh, the Opals tend to struggle a little bit. Have you noticed the same, Casey? Yeah, it's interesting you said that because I think I probably, I mean, I'm not a technical um, analysis so much as you are. So now you've said that, like, it makes sense. Like, I don't think I could have articulated that before. So thank you for that little nugget. <laughs> Anytime. That's what I'm here to provide the yeah. color. I love it that you are the basketball oracle. Like, um, yeah, I'll just watch things and be like, oh, yeah, like, that, there's something off there <laughs> I don't know how to say it I get a real like analyst way which is why I think like Gemma Bastiani will laugh at me a lot when I try to talk about AFLW or uh, so when I talk to actual <laughs> analysts I just sit there in awe just staring at you just sit I'm like yeah you're like dead on yes <laughs> <laughs> well I'm glad what I'm saying is a making sense and b is uh valid <laughs> sometimes especially with commentary on the podcast you just kind of like get stuck talking, talking like in your own thoughts. And then at the end, I'm like, I don't know what I said. And I'm not too sure if what I said made sense or was correct, but so far (laughs) feedback has been good. So I must be doing okay. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you know, your stuff, Jacinta, you're an expert and, you know, commentary still is subjective. Like you still will see things differently than other people. So like, yes, there are some, you know, like fundamentals that everyone will see, but everyone will read the game different, have different, opinions about how things should roll out and structures that should be set and strategies that should be implemented so just back yourself in because you do know your stuff and you are amazing at this and don't worry if anyone else has a different opinion that's their opinion you know (laughs) yeah absolutely I should take that snippet and put it a on a on a loop on a cd or something as a mantra (laughs) we can sort that out for you yeah yeah awesome (laughs) 
Um, Jacinta, it's been such a thrill to talk to you. Always love chatting to you. And I'm super excited to follow you and Casey all through the Women's World Cup. I will be hanging out at home in Melbourne watching as many games as I can squeeze in around writing my honours thesis. <laughs> but very excited to follow your adventures on your two weeks off. I'm, I'm so thrilled for you that you get to do that. That's amazing. Um, where can people find you, though? Where can people find you on the internet to follow you and your work? Uh, so, yeah, on Instagram, I'm just Jacinta underscore governed. Uh, pretty easy. You can find me on there. And on Twitter, um, made this a little bit more difficult for people, but I'm S underscore squin, which is spelled S-Q-U-I-N. So I didn't really think too much when I was making my <laughs> Twitter handle first and then my Insta because the Instagram account I only started probably just over 12 months ago as well as a, as a way of cross-promoting the podcast and things like that, as I think I mentioned before. Um, and then I got a bit conscious about using my last name and then I, I changed it to Jacinta Lee, which is my middle name. And then I was like, oh, hold on, now I've just put my whole full name out on the internet. So <laughs> what difference does it make now? <laughs> it's all there. And then my Twitter handle is based on my, uh, my nickname. So it's it's everything. I've just accidentally given the internet everything Every they need to know about me. Oh, Every God. detail. The internet already knew. The internet knows too much about <laughs> us, regardless yeah. whether we wanted to. <laughs> well, right. listeners, go and follow Jacinta on Instagram, on Twitter. If you're not already, follow Shooting the Breeze and uh, hang out for more from the Basketball Oracle. Uh, Casey, where can people find you on the internet? People can find me at Casey Simons on Twitter and at Casey underscore Wright on the Instagrams. And I'm at Kirby Kirby B. Uh, also, just enter. I I set that up before I realized. Probably just use your your name, really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So we're on the same page there. Um, it's As I said, it's been a thrill to talk to you. Such a joy always. Thanks so much for joining us on the Siren Podcast. And thanks to our listeners for listening to this episode of the Siren Podcast. For more great women in sports stories, you can jump on to sirensport.com.au. While you're there, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter. You can jump on to Twitter and Instagram and find us at siren underscore sport. And we're on Facebook too. Thanks so much for listening and we will see you next time on the Siren Podcast. Thank you.